Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with another episode of our Ecom show and uh, today I'm here with uh, Greg Howlett. He's the CEO of Cobblestone Trade. He's from uh, Georgia, US. And uh, today we are going to talk about uh, logistics fulfillment, how these uh, parts of an e-commerce business affect the customer experience, bottom of the funnel and the whole customer journey. This show is sponsored by Budai Media. Budai Media is a fully remote e-commerce focused retention marketing agency. In the last three years, Budai Media worked with more than 100 e-commerce clients and generated an eight-figure extra revenue for these clients. If you want to check out their website, go to thebudaimedia.com and just send an email or actually you can just drop a message to me on any of my social media channels if you are interested to work with us. Hey, Greg, it's good to have you here. How are you? Yeah, great to be here. It's good to be here. Well, I, 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 I really enjoy this even if I have to get up early. But um, yeah, hope to have some fun today. Let's start with your story. So uh, when did you found this company and uh, what did you do before and how did you end up in this uh, industry? Yeah, I, when I came out of college too long ago, I was a software guy. And so I had a short um, career in software and uh, quickly realized that software was not for me. It's not that I don't enjoy software itself. It's just that uh, working in that kind of environment, it's just um, tedious. And so I sort of failed. um, Yeah, I pretty much failed um, in software. (laughs) I was um, with Delta Technology when I started my first company, Delta Airlines, for those in the States, everybody knows Delta Airlines. So I was writing technology solutions for them. So I had started this little website. This was back in the days of goodness, Dreamweaver. If you remember those kind of tools, the very early um, WYSIWYG type things, editors for doing web pages. And so I built a website just selling something that we happened to use personally. Back in those days, it was easy, right? Anybody could sell something online. And so um, I did, and it's also success. And if that was 22, 20, no, 23 years ago, so 1999. I've gone through a lot of iterations since then, a lot of highs and lows, started a couple companies, sold a couple companies, just sort of meandered um, to where we are now, hopefully wiser. What uh, other things have you tried? Have you ever started an e-commerce company, like physical products company? We've done a lot of repping other brands online, but there was one company I started from 2006 and we sold it in 2012. That was a a brand that we built from the ground. There's two different skill sets here. So building a brand from the ground and then all the way through the e-commerce. Well, there's a lot of skills involved in there, but... I just wanted to mention that the skill of marketing or building the brand is a very different skill from the logistics, fulfillment, um, customer experience, and all those things. So I tend to think that my skills lay on the back end, the lower funnel type stuff. And um, I tend to work with companies that have already got the marketing covered. So they're good at marketing, they're good at brand building, but they need us for the logistics side of things. Yeah, I think that that differentiation is really important. And business owners should understand where they excel. And I can also see this, that some guys, they are really good at marketing, getting awareness, getting customers, or they are good at PPC and just scaling in general, while others, they are more, uh, you know, operation focused, uh, logistics, the back end of the business, maybe hiring people. And many times I can see winning e-commerce stores having this combination of the two founders. One of them is more like a marketer or PPC guy. The other is more like hiring or logistics. But also there are companies where there is one founder or both founders are great at marketing and they need a 
some help from another company. And this is what you, your company exactly does, right? So you help them with uh, logistics and fulfillment. What do you exactly do with, with your uh, partners, with your clients? Well, okay, so a typical client for us that we would consider a good client is a client that has a brand, they have a good product, maybe they've been around for a while and they have been really focused on brick and mortar, traditional distri distribution and so on. And they're now at a place where they're figuring out they, they don't have a choice. A lot of kicking and screaming to get to this point because they really didn't want to do the online thing. There's a lot of, obviously, pitfalls. It sort of undercuts in a lot of cases their distributor base. But they realize they don't have really a choice and, and are they start to see the opportunities online. Let's face it. I mean, this is not 1999 anymore. It's really, really complicated these days to do e-commerce well. So they already have a brand, but they really don't get the logistics of all this Everything from building the website, providing customer service in e-commerce format, running advertising campaigns. We certainly um, are really focused on that. Not necessarily upper funnel, the brand building stuff, but more mid and lower funnel advertising really is our specialty. And then everything from that point on, capturing the customer. So we're talking about um, conversion on the website, providing customer service, and then fulfillment. But more importantly for us, long-term, it comes down to LTV, long-term value, getting long bringing more and more revenue out of customers because that's the name of the game. Obviously, customer acquisition costs not going in the right direction online. So <laughs> it becomes more and more important to focus on that back end. So that's sort of where we step in with companies that pretty much usually have a product already developed. It's a nice way to put it that the acquisition cost is not going to the right direction. I, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's a year ago, and you probably know this, you probably talked to a lot of guests that two years ago were really, really dependent on Facebook to drive yeah. you know, revenue and and we all know what happened in the last year uh, there with Facebook and iOS and that little squabble that they have going on. And man, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hurting people out there in this space because, yeah, their customer costs have just ridiculously over the past year. You've been in this industry for more than 20 years, as you said, and I guess you could see similar patterns before, right? That uh, there was a really good platform. It made acquisition kind of inexpensive, but something happened and the prices went up. I guess this happened with Google before, maybe other platforms. Well, yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of, for sure, um, this is one challenge of 100, right, that um, we've seen. The, the challenges tend to get more and more complex over time. I mean, the uh, we could always go back and talk about how search advertising has developed, and that's a fascinating story in itself. And SEO, for example, in the early days, there was no paid advertising online at all that made any sense. It was all display yeah. banners and silly stuff that as SEO began to sort of peter out or become less important, and then you converted, you, you saw so many ups and downs um, in SEO where a strategy, people, a company would build on a particular strategy, maybe it was link building back in 2007 or something, and everything was about links. And then Google figured out, okay, <laughs> links from link farms are not valuable, so they started devaluing links from link and, and so on. And yeah, I mean, we've definitely been here before. It's a challenging business. There's, there's no doubt about it. It's a challenging business. I still have a lot of uh, optimism about the future um, because I have seen us move through a lot of difficult times in the past. But this is a difficult time. There's no doubt about that. And not to mention COVID. Yeah, feast or famine. COVID has been feast or famine for a lot of companies. A lot of companies crushed. But then a lot of companies have, you know, they're not necessarily talking about it because a lot of them took government money. But um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good stories out of uh, out of COVID mm. as well. Let's talk about uh, fulfillment. What is the stage when usually e-commerce business owners they come to you and they need help with fulfillment? Right from the beginning, or or when they scale, or how does it usually happen? 
Now, most of it, the, the typical way it happens is you'll have a store or maybe it's in a brick and mortar store that all of a sudden starts trying to do fulfillment out of the back of their house, right? Or not back of their, you know, they'll have a store in the front and then maybe a tiny little warehouse in the back and they'll be doing fulfillment. They're starting to realize that it's a little overwhelming. It's not, obviously 10 orders a day is, is not a big deal, but you have to have the right systems in place and the right processes in place to do that. You know, they, they start on their own and then they start to realize just how complicated it is if you're going to do it well um, with industry type solutions. So at that point, they really have to make a decision. Either they're going to go all in themselves, they're going to buy the software and buy and, and invest in the systems, or they're going to outsource to a 3PL. And 3PLs are obviously doing extremely well in the US, or they'll go solely Amazon, right? F Amazon FBA yeah. and just ship it there. Or they'll come to somebody like us, which is we're not a 3PL. Um, 3PL for us, the 3PL is just simply logistics. It's just, just we ship from here to there, and it's a very transactional, commoditized type of thing. But uh, again, for us, we add um, enormous value on top of that, which is, yeah, we'll do fulfillment, and we do. We're good at it, but really the whole package. And so we, we, there's a certain kind of customer that comes to us looking for that. One that realizes, okay, a very simple Shopify site is not cutting it. One that know that's starting to see we need a lot more stuff or we can do a lot more stuff, but it's not really interested in just outsourcing to a 3PL. So we 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 are um, we look at it more as a partnership and a growing opportunity. I don't know. We're not for everybody. Um, a 3PL is not for everybody as well. But yeah, maybe you, you asked a question and I'm taking a long time answering it. I suppose I would say when a company gets um, to one to three million dollars is when they mm -hmm. buy. How would you compare a 3PL and Amazon and your service? What are the pros and cons? All around the world, um, it's the uh, the warehouses are going like crazy here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. The 3PL is going to typically support the 50% of e-commerce transactions that don't occur on Amazon, right? And then a lot of those will also support FBA and FBM on the Amazon platform. So you capture with a, a, a 3PL that has that flexibility, you're going to capture the ability to ship to 100% of the, the customer base or the e-commerce transactions. 3PLs, basically, you pay storage fees and you pay um, fulfillment costs as a general rule with a few other costs, actually a lot of other costs. They're focused only on shipping. So in other words, an order comes in, we ship it, right? Yeah. Or they ship. But on top of that, we're going to provide your website management, development, like stuff like conversion. And why are you not converting well? What, what needs to change on the website? Um, speed, different resource, whatever, whatever you want to do from a website perspective. Um, we tend to build on the WooCommerce platform, very, very flexible. Um, we can develop custom custom code and custom plugins for that. So we do that, um, which a 3PL doesn't do. We provide customer service. So we'll outs if you want to outsource customer service to us, we do that. And then the big thing really is, okay, once you have a customer We'll help you with flows and customer flows and other things to increase lifetime value. So those are three areas that 3PL doesn't really touch that we touch. And then as far as Amazon goes, Amazon pretty much doesn't want you doing any of that. They <laughs> want you to list the products on the platform. Um, you don't have access to the customer information for the most part. Basically, Amazon owns the customer. So it's sort of very, obviously, there's advertising and SEO that you can do on the Amazon platform. But yeah. it's a different, uh, it's a different, um, different game altogether. Um, we, we do manage Amazon uh, for clients that want to do it, but man, it's um, any client that can shift business away from Amazon is going to be in, is, is, is in better shape because of the customer relationship. It's just hard to, 
So I tend to see Amazon more as customer finding customers. Still a good place to find customers, especially with uh, Facebook troubles over the past uh, year. But man, if, if there's a way to move, develop e-commerce off that platform, um, it serves serves you well in the long run. Especially if you're looking for acquisitions down the road, or you want you know you want to sell. Um, and build value. So do you think if uh, somebody has uh, an Amazon business, it's really hard to connect with the customers, right? And uh, <laughs> What kind of business? If it's uh, an Amazon business, Amazon Focus. With FBA especially, it's very hard to get to the customer, well, especially if you do it within their policies and procedures. And I know there's some people that are doing things outside, but that tends to be short term because if you grow, eventually, you know, you're going you're gonna to get shut down. But yeah, I mean, and I think in some ways, Amazon is loosening that up. Um, I've seen some tools that have come out recently like there's a tool now where you can actually chat with customers before the sale at least you'd have somewhat of a relationship but yeah it's very very difficult fbm you know the model where you actually fulfill the orders there's maybe a few more opportunities there but even so you're not getting email or phone numbers of your customers it's hard to develop relationships with customers on the amazon platform what everybody's wanting to do you know just like seo you have black hat everybody's trying to figure out how to do it and um, you know if you're going to do it white hat it's, it's really really difficult you mentioned different websites, Shopify, WooCommerce, mm-hmm. and uh, do you work with any kind of websites, maybe from a logistics standpoint, customer relationship standpoint? Can you see that one of the platforms is better than the other? You would mention one of them, or you think it doesn't really matter? What's your opinion on that? Oh, it matters um, for sure. Big players out there are WooCommerce and Shopify. Obviously, you got big commerce and so on. I'm going to sort of put them off to the side. Uh, I can't really see a good reason to be on big commerce, for example, right now, unless you're already on it and you just don't want to, um, you know, transition. But yeah, I mean, Shopify is so far out in front for a certain kind of, of, of uh, customer, one of their customers. And then Woo is is, is out in front as well. And, and and really it comes down to this. If, if you have development staff and you want highly customized solutions and you're willing to pay either for development or you already are a developer yourself, WooCommerce is going to give you enormous platform and power to do what you want to do basically for free by the way except for development mm-hmm. costs right but on the flip side and, and see this is where my development background comes in into play because I was I'm a, I'm a developer and, and even though I sort of failed in my gigs in the real world it's not because I can't develop it's because I hated the work and um, so I'm very very comfortable in that world but I'll say this I mean probably 80 percent of merchants you have a great product Right. And you don't want to open up a software um, division of your company where you're managing and you don't want to worry about phone calls or pings in the middle of the night because your website is down or whatever. It's hard to really beat Shopify from that perspective. I mean, Shopify is going to give you a fairly stable platform. Yeah, they charge money. If you're doing, let's say, $10 million on Shopify, you're paying a couple thousand dollars a month, probably in plugins and fees. I'm not including the processing costs because we all pay those. I mean, the credit card processing. It's hard to beat that, really. It's not as flexible. Shopify has some problems as well. They're not perfect. I'm not really a fan of their new movement toward where they seem to be controlling the merchants a little too much. And I don't know if you have other guests that talk about this. I have a friend, for example, during COVID that started selling hand sanitizer. You know, Shopify said your price gouging. He's selling it at a you know a pretty normal price. I don't know really honestly. I don't know if he's price gouging or not. I don't even know what that means. Who even knows what that means? That's the point. What does that mean? It's like open for interpretation. But the reality is, who wants to be on a platform where they can just come in and say you're price gouging, you're out of business? That never will happen on WooCommerce. Yeah. We also had a client uh, like two years ago, and their competitor sued them, I think, in the U.S. and. Shopify shut down their website. 
Shopify doesn't want to get into legal cases. They rather just shut down the website. You have to figure it out as a business owner, which takes time and you lose a lot of money. That's a big, you know, downside. WooCommerce doesn't do it. Yeah, but obviously there are big advantages as well. So I think many people, they don't want to tackle with the technical side of the website. I know a guy, his name is Robert. He's from the US and he also has a developer background. He really hates software companies and he just tries uh, developing everything himself or with his team. The website, even the email marketing management, everything. But that's a rare case, right? So he's one out, one out of 100 probably. And most people, they just want to get started. Probably they are good at marketing and scaling and the product. And uh, they just register to Shopify and they are ready to go. So Absolutely. I, and that's probably... I think what you just said is exactly right. I, I can think of, I'm a member of ECF, e-commerce tool, and I think there's a couple hundred, one to $50 million companies on there. And I can think of one. Mm-hmm. I can think of one person on there, one company where he's custom developed everything. from. He, he doesn't yeah. like that. To me, to be very honest, I find that extreme. And there's a lot that SaaS brings to the table. But let's face it. There's a lot of pain too, right? I mean, a lot of pain. And uh, yeah, but I mean, the Clavios and the, the Clavio, I mean, re- replicating that and staying current and for Clavio, I mean, that's, they have a team of developers on that. I mean, why would I go replicate that? And to each his own. And it works, you know, different things work for different companies. I tend to look at it sort of as a, a blend, right? Somewhere in the middle. We work on the WooCommerce platform to run 50 or so plugins. But on top of that, we have a ton of custom code because as soon as you go into SaaS solutions, you're going to end up having to give away flexibility. You just have to have to make the decision for yourself on where you want to sort of line up in that. Yeah, you have to know your strengths and the strengths of, of your team. The last piece that I want to mention is a customer support. So if I understand to correctly you also help your clients with that and mm-hmm. how do you make a good alignment between the client's business and the customer support team how do you make sure that the support team understands the business the product the audience they don't just say some very generic thing like you know many companies they do it and we have a bad experience with those as a customer so what's your approach to customer support it's a big challenge and a big challenge especially during this hiring it's a really big challenge during this hiring period that we're in first of all a few things about customer support right now in general the customer has never been more i'm trying to think of a nice way to put it the customer's never been more demanding the, the customer is apparently unable to, to well, I'll put it this way. From the moment they walk to, they get to your website to the moment that something is in their hand, they're going to hold you accountable or responsible for it, right? If, they're, if they live in an apartment and their apartment manager doesn't give them the package, trust me, you're still going to get blamed for that. Everything, you'll, you'll get blamed for everything. And, and we have to go in as customer service company in 2022, we have to go in with the perspective of, of understanding that and saying, yeah, you know, uh, it's not fair. We all know it's not fair, but we also know our parents told us when we were four, that life isn't fair because it isn't. And so you just have to sort of own that, own the customer experience and um, understand that those things, we have to handle those things. And, and, and it's challenging. It's challenging to manage customer expectations about shipping when shipping companies are, are, are struggling. It is tough, what you alluded to earlier, let's say technical product questions before the sale. That's really, really challenging as well. So the way that we do it and the way a lot of companies would do it, that particular uh, challenge is we're going to focus on uh, putting first level reps that can help with the, the basic stuff and then trying to move people that need more technical help to more um, second tier um, type support. No different than a lot of companies would do it. And um, I don't know that we do it necessarily better. A lot of companies have sort of figured that out. So you have um, lower level talent on the first level 
and then you're moving people back because you need more tiers. Paying well is extremely important if you're going to have quality. And then processes are really, really important. And everybody's doing this as well, too. A lot of companies are doing well with the ticket systems and uh, management, CMS-type SaaS Mm -hmm. products to manage that process. They're doing well. But I will say this. One of the big things that we've worked in in the past year is uh, this is sort of a nebulous idea as we watch customers get angrier and angrier and more demanding and more demanding is this. Sometimes we can't control reality, but we can control the perception of reality. And um, so there's a lot of stuff that we're working on on the back end to keep customers happy, even when the reality doesn't change. And when I say that, I mean this. UPS is going to lose a lot of packages right now. UPS is going to take your money for next day air and they're going to deliver it in two days instead of one day. They're doing that way more than anybody thinks they're doing it right now. All the shippers are struggling. We thought that things would sort of settle down coming out of the fourth quarter in the U.S. The metrics right now are pretty much worse in the first quarter than the the fourth quarter. And I'm not really sure why that is, but it's true. I get a report every day. Customers are going to hold you accountable for that. So what we can do on the front end is we can manage expectations and manage their perception of it and head off problems. And if we see that um, an order is going to be late, customer service can automatically send out emails with a coupon or you know whatever um, to help head off problems. So it's a it's a challenge that you have to think creatively about. And uh, you mentioned that uh, there are two levels of support. You know, I work with many software companies and they also have this, especially if it's a technical and not as common problem. And I, I like this approach because many other companies, especially fast growing ones, they rather try to automate everything. They just send you articles or there is a bot and you type in human and then no reply. <laughs> and... Uh, do you use automation or are you not a fan of it? Personally, I'm not a fan, by the way. We hate automation. As a matter of fact, we, we don't have, if you call one of our numbers, there's no menus except dial one for English or two for Spanish. There's no menus. We hate those things. We hate AI or the um, the voice recognition type stuff. Where, so that, those frustrate the hell out of people. And so why have them? There's no point in it. So we avoid that. The bots, I know what you're talking about. The bots that are trying to figure out, you know, no. I mean, if you do live chat on one of our websites, you go to right to a lab agent. That's what customers want. So why not give them what they want? Those other tools are for us as merchants, but they don't, the customer hates them. Yeah, we don't do them. And I think that that's one of those things that you can do, just little things to help make customers happy. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to matter. Reviews and so on. Thank you, Greg. It was a very insightful conversation today. And thanks everyone who listened to us now, the live stream or later the podcast. If anyone wants to find you and uh, use your services or talk to you where they can find you. Yeah, cobblestonetrade.com. And um, if you want, you can book some time with me there. Yeah, we will put the link into the description so everyone can find it. And uh, thanks again. Every week we come out with a new podcast episode. If you liked it, then leave a review on Spotify or Apple podcast. It's really meaningful for us. And uh, thanks everyone. Stay tuned.